Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Wade In. This is off the back of two days of two of us being at the Dublin Racing Festival on this show. And so as a result, my voice is actually holding up pretty well. Anyone who knows me will know that I often lose my voice. But so this is actually quite good going. TC, on the other hand, how are you, TC? Yeah, surviving, surviving. Quite a hectic weekend, but yeah, hit a tail the tail. It's just completely thrown me off that you've got different surroundings today, TC. I think this is the first time we've done a podcast and you've not been in your box room. Well, the, uh, the, the thing about it, I, don't, I feel so ill-prepared. Not I have a set routine. I've got all my kind of like all the results, all the price changes, all my various things on my own PC. But I don't know how you do it. I mean, this I feel, I feel so foreign to me doing it like this, but I'll do my best. Tell me this on a serious note. Did you enjoy your two days at the Dublin Racing Festival? How many? What would you mark it out of 10? Yeah, 10 out of 10. On the front. On on <laughs> oh, hey? that's nice. <laughs> You've never given anything. It's a 9 out of 10, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> on, the, um, on the Saturday, um, it, it, on it, it was too busy. I mean, it was like 45 minutes to try and get a drink, you know, 20 minutes to have a have a slash or something like that. So uh, I had to take uh, affirmative action and uh, blag my way into Paddy Power's box. So apologies for uh, for doing that. But yeah, uh, it, it, uh, Sunday was much better. It was slightly lower crowd. Um, it just had a brilliant vibe to it. I, I, I do love going racing in Ireland because there are different kind of crowds to England and they seem to love it more and embrace it more than you get the impression that they're more there for the racing than the English crowds over, over at home. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And look, if every... I drink as much, mind you. Yeah. If you listeners were wondering if you should go to the Dublin Racing Festival next year, the fact that Tony Calvin has just given it a 10 out of 10 mm. is probably all you need to know. It's a must-go trip. And of course, anybody who's into national hunt racing in Ireland was there. But Kevin Blake, you were not. Well, you see, I'm seeing this as my sort of revenge, Vanessa, because I had to put up with all your Mickey taking on Thursday and Friday. And now you're sitting there in the absolute horrors and I have fresh as the freshest spring daisy. So here we go. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm, I'm actually all right. I'm actually all right. I'm I was fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm fine, honestly. <laughs> I'm going to have another Guinness at the airport about 10.30 if we get this, we get this sorted and I'll be, I'll be on the road to ruin <laughs> once again. Right, let's, well, let's crack on. Yeah, let's crack on. <laughs> Enough of the reflective sort of let's get down to the nitty gritty. Now, this is week five of Footsteps of the Festival. And essentially, we're going to review all the races, all the championship races we've already looked at in the past four weeks. Now, kind of through the prism of the Dublin the Dublin Racing Festival. Um, so we can kick off, shall we, with the champion hurdle division, because Stateman is now 100 to 30 from four to one with Constitution's Hill still the one to three favourites off the back of winning the Irish champion hurdle. Kev, we will start with you. He jumped out, he made all. A, what did you make of the performance? But B, going forward, tactically, do you expect him to do that again on the Tuesday of March? Um, no, we'll, we'll see what the final field looks like, but it's nice to know that he can do it. Um, um, I was really impressed with him. I think it was probably, the like he's not a slick jumper, but this was probably the slickest he's jumped. Um, not a semblance of a mistake. He was good and efficient. Um, just was always in control and he extended his margin of, of, of victory over Vauban, which uh, which was great because I think there was there was plenty of reason to believe that Vauban would close the gap, but a statement extended. 
Um, I know Vauban did a, did a couple of things wrong, but he did a couple of things wrong at Christmas as well. So you'd be delighted with Stateman. Um, he put away the, the best two milers in Ireland uh, with authority. And now he goes to the champion hurdle as the standout Irish contender. Um, and he, I'd just be delighted with him. And I'd be delighted with Honeysuckle as well. Um, she ran a belter. She went out on her shield. Um, look, the suspicion was that she, she may be regressing just a bit. Um, and, and I think the evidence of this, you know, backs that up. Um, she ran a belter, had a, had a bit of a, a slight scare at the third last there with a bit of a stumble. Um, but look, she stuck on really well held off Vauban, who, who's half her age. And uh, there's there's plenty of ability still there. Um, but look, her connections have a choice to make. Um, I don't know if we want to have that whole debate. I had more than enough of it from, from that chat on ITV yesterday. Um, but I, I'll understand whatever they want to do. Just to briefly touch on that, I suppose something that hasn't been fleshed out is, you know, they view this differently than we do. You know, this is uh, the horse of a lifetime for pretty much everyone involved. And when you have when a horse has given you that much emotional joy, you know, when you're when the end is clearly in sight, you know, I don't think there's a whole lot of pleasure when they run. You know, it's an awful lot yeah. of, of almost dread, you know, you're and you're wrestling between she's a racehorse, she's fitting well, we should run her against, oh God, I'm really looking forward to having her out in the field for 15 years and you know, and seeing folds out of her, et cetera. So I wouldn't envy him the choice, it'd be really tough. But um, look, I certainly won't be knocking them, whatever they do, even if they go for the mayor's hurdle, which uh, which would be gnawing at me. But I'm not, I'm not going to knock them because uh, yeah. I think anyone that's been stuck in horses, even much lower level than this, can appreciate the kind of con- the, the emotional conundrum that they face. But uh, to go back to your question, state man, best of the Irish. Um, Constitution Hill has looked a better horse to date. But um, how could you put a ceiling on state man? He hasn't really been tested so far. No, and I think crucially, he's taken a step forward with every run. Um, over the last year or so. And so if he's to take a natural step forward again, TC, how close does that put him to Constitution Hill? Um, it's quite interesting, isn't it, that another big winner at the weekend, according to the betting, was actually Constitution Hill. He, he's been trading around about twos on on the exchange and he's now into sub four to nine. So he actually short, he shortened on the back of that. It could well be the market just think it's a straight fight between Constitution Hill and State Man now. Yeah. Maybe um, it's maybe it's thinking that they're taking maybe they're anticipating honeysuckle not being there and taking yeah, I mean, like, the market. You mentioned honeysuckle. I mean if you go on the exchange now, uh, honeysuckle's around about 130 uh, on the exchange for the mayor's hurdle. So you know, rewind a couple of months and, you know, it's it's the champion hurdle or nothing. You know, the market said they're, they're having a rethink on the back of that. Like Kev said, we won't go into that. Just an, another another issue there is, obviously, the, you know, the form book and everything tells you that Statement's a, a far better horse than Vauban. And, but one thing was quite striking about Vauban. He was very strong in the market when supposedly undercooked first time up. This time, he, he took a massive walk in the market. Now, apparently, he didn't have a smooth uh, run into that uh, run at the weekend. So I think they're anticipating a lot of improvement out of Oban. I don't think, well, all the evidence suggests he's, you know, maybe a four-length inferior horse to the likes of uh, to state men. But like I said, given that he didn't have an ideal run up to that, which was reflected in the market, um, I think they were very happy with Oban on the back of that. So, you know, maybe it isn't a straight two-way fight if, they, if there's more improvement to come out of Oban. OK. All right. Let's move on to the Gold Cup market. Of course, we saw Gallop in the Champs 
win the Irish Gold Cup and the dramatic Irish Gold Cup in many ways um, from stablemate Statler, who many people think ran a very uh, good race in his prep for March as well. Statler's now 13 to 2, uh, galloping Deschamps at the top of the market. It was Statler that was cut from 8 to 1. Um, Kevin, we'll come to you first on this one for takeaways from the race itself. Would you come away from it with positivity in regards to Galloping Deschamps' Gold Cup hopes? Yeah, I would. Um, and I've okay. been one of those that, um, and I know TC's the same, has been in the camp that he's probably going to win everything this year up until the Gold Cup, and then we might be able to take him on, um, you know, in the anticipation that the extra emphasis on stamina won't necessarily suit him. But I, I think that, for me, that's going away now. Um, like they rode him a bit differently here. They, they didn't ask him to be spectacular. They asked him to be efficient and clever uh, and a bit more versatile, a bit more le less attacking. And he responded quite well. Like he doesn't and didn't jump as well as he has in the past, but they don't necessarily want him to. Like we talked about it before with horses that are running over shorter trips over fences, you kind of want them to have a crack you know, and be, and be brave and be quick through the air. But, with, you know, with a, with a gold cup horse, you want them to be clever and get in and pop and don't be wasteful in an energy sense. And he was much more like that here. And I, I think Paul Townend really succeeded in switching him off. And look, while it looked like there might be a race on coming down to the last, like when Paul really asked him, geez, he exploded up the run in and he, he took his, you know, it was a while pulling up as well. So... Yeah. Look, we knew from his form over hurdles that there's plenty of you know fundamental stamina in there. It was just a case where his jumping could be adjusted to make him efficient enough for a gold cup. And I think they've probably got him where they need him now. So having thought all season I'd be taking him on the gold cup, I don't think I will be, to be brutally oh, honest. That's interesting. Yeah, delighted yeah, with Sattler. Sattler Sattler ran the race. We thought he we thought he might, you know, he wants he wants the gold cup test. Um, and while he'll be better there, will he be better enough? To beat Gallop and the Champ, I, I, I'm finding myself a small bit sceptical there. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. And I would agree in terms of what you said there um, in regards to, for Gallop and the Champs, almost the most impressive part of the whole three-mile race was the last 100 yards or so and mm. the way in which he galloped through the line and he just looked so strong and um yeah, I mean, I all those staying doubts, TC, for me, were sort of blown away when, when we saw him at the weekend. I, I said I'm racing only better. I mean, I wasn't going to have a bet in the race, but the way I played it is I, I left a lot of lays up for the Gold Cup for Gallup and Deschamps. I, lay, I put lays in at 2.5, 2.4, 2.3. And I saw that performance. Um, and so I went back and had a look at the account. And the, the 2.5 actually got matched. Uh, but when I looked at the market, it, it drifted out to 2 to 1 on the exchange. Uh, and I think he, he drifted out to 15 to 8. Um, and Did you green up? Did you green up? Uh, I I backed it back. I backed it back at two to one. That's the shot. <laughs> yeah, that's the right thing to do. Because, I mean, he I, I, wasn't a great amount. I mean, I think I got 123 quid match at 2.5. I was hoping, given the, the nature of the performance, there would be an overreaction. And there was, obviously, into six to four, but not didn't go any lower. But like you, Kev, I mean, I was, you know, that did assuage a lot of my stamina doubts, the way he, he finished off that. I know it's Cheltenham. I know it's an extra two and a bit furlongs, but... I don't have any doubts about uh, the stamina now, particularly, but I do have doubts about his class. I mean, I come back to it. We, I come back to what we were saying on racing only better. And I mean, I don't think he's that good a horse to justify, you know, to, to justify that you know, kind of like uh, he's two to one price in the marketplace. 
I mean, his form is still light years away from a peak a blue tart and stuff like that. I mean, I don't think he's a, I think he's a 170 rated horse. He's not a 180 rated horse. The potential might be there, but no, I'm, like I said, I'm, I got rid of the, the 2.5 layer at, uh, at two to one and, and I'm happy with that. But uh, no, it, I, it didn't really convince me as a, uh, as a Gold Cup winner. Lordy, controversial view from TC. Um, let's move on to the champion chase, which saw um, a springer in the market, I think it's fair to say. Gentleman Demi winning, uh, beating Blue Lord in the grade one at the weekend is now six to one from 66s. He's obviously really got his act together off the back of being disappointing and of course your mind goes back to the Aintree performance which was also a bit of a surprise thought mm. this was under uh, uh, Danny Mullins who's just riding in such good form at the moment Kev and this horse there's no doubt that he's got plenty of ability but his patchy profile doesn't appeal to me for a champion chase yeah it's pretty patchy like you say when he's good he's very good and like I probably the thing with him is he just needs to get into a jumping rhythm um, and like start, he wasn't... sorry, do you, you say that? Do you buy into the spring? He's a spring horse, line? no, no, no personally, um, no. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's all about the jump. And look, he's he's a kind of a a, a lower class version of under so in some ways, in that a young under so in that like he he can be quite reckless and free and a, and a bit difficult. And if he hits one, it just seems to throw him. Um, and look, he had a cha- late change of jockey here. And uh, Danny seemed to get a good tune out of him, in fairness. And and look, Blue Lord, was he the same horse he was at Christmas? I'm not so sure. You know, that performance was should have been, you know, better than finishing five lengths in front of Dunvegan. Um, so I, I don't think he was quite himself for whatever reason. But gentlemen, to me, look, you don't, you don't want to be too dismissive of him because what's to say he can't go to Cheltenham and get into a great rhythm, you know, and, and show his best there and his best would suggest he can be a competitor. Now, would I take his current price for the champion chase? Absolutely not. I would sooner be place laying, to be brutally honest, and, and take my beating if he does get into a rhythm. Because when you look yeah. at his when you look at his last five runs, like it's happened twice in five runs, and it really hasn't happened the other three times. Um, so I, I can't help but find myself skeptical um of him. Great look, loads of ability. Hopefully he kind of cops on. Um, with more experience in that, but he's he's nine races deep into his chasing career. Like if he was going to get sense, he probably would have got it by now. But um, great for him to, to get a grade one here. And there, there was no fluke about it on the day. And TC, you know, we talk about uh, gentlemen to me, somewhat patchy profile, actually very mm. patchy profile. And then in contrast to that, obviously at the top of the market, we have the Edward Stone and Nergumin battle um, with much, much, much solider profiles, much more reliable types. And Willie making the point that a Nergumin is still absolutely very much the one mm. for the champion chase from that yard. I thought that was quite telling in that interview. Yeah, it's it's quite a messy picture, isn't it? I mean, um, the reason why... You know, they're so short at six to one. I think on the exchange at the moment, he's, he's 11 to one in the win only market. The reason why it's six to one, because obviously there's not a lot of depth to the race. So, from an each way perspective, they can't go too big a price. Um, yeah, it's the whole the whole division here is just very messy. Obviously, Blue Lord was was desperately disappointing. Um, yeah, that the whole champion chase market is is up in the air, isn't it? And you, you'd have to think on on the evidence of what we've seen that the the Edward Stone and Ergamin form line form lines are are the strongest out there. But that's reflecting the market now. I don't have any massively strong opinions on the back of that. Okay, let's move on to the Irish Arkle then. El Fabiolo 
has been cut for the Arkell in March to 13 to 8 from 7 to 1 off the back of this uh, win at the weekend and John Bond 13 to 8 from 11 to 8 for that race and many people uh, sort of there's plenty of takeaways I think it's fair to say Kevin from the Irish Arkell El Fabiolo now seems to have put his head above the parapet and said I'm I'm the standout one over the two mile division would you would you would you think this is rock solid form going ahead to the Arkle? Do you think that's the way those horses are, the way they finished? Oh, I think you have to consider it to be very solid. Um, okay. like it was it was a no hiding place gallop. Like most of the jump, you know, jumping held up for pretty much all of them. You know, you have good horses getting quite badly outpaced. And El Fabiolo, you know, has made like it wasn't a horrific mistake, you know, but Daryl could have come off on another day. It was one of those, it was a messy sort of a mistake. It didn't cost him loads of momentum but he did do a lot of moving uh, and on another day Daryl could have been unlucky and come off but um, like he's I'd say he's one that he would always be liable to do something silly at a fence but for him to boot away like he did up the run in and win by 10 lengths like pause that race at the last if you if you you know suggested if anyone suggested any one of those was going to win by 10 lengths you think they were mad like he was so powerful up the run in um, you know, powering away from, you know, appreciate it, who, who's, who's a very, very good horse. Dicer Dynamo, you know, did his thing from the front. You'd forgive him for for maybe wilting a bit on the run in. But in fairness to him, he, he stuck on quite well. Um, and Banbridge, who who we know is a very good horse, you know, got, got awfully outpaced um, and managed to finish off very well. But like this was as true. This was a championship race, really, in how it was run. And El Fabiolo has put two big exclamation marks on what he did, you know, 10 lengths, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. I thought he was really good. Um, look, he's the best two-mile novice chaser in Ireland now. I think you you can't, no one can dispute that. Um, and he gets to go take on John Bond. And again, rematch um, after the, the, there was very little between them and entry last year. And um, that's one to look forward to. I just would fear slightly that El Fabiolo, he has it in him to make a bad mistake. And the Arkell at Cheltenham can pull a mistake out of one that has a bit of a kink in him that way. But all the abilities there, he just needs to needs to put it together. And was there any talk? I know that there was a bit of speculation yesterday. Is is Daryl is Daryl going to get jocked off here, or or will the will um, the double green insist on him keeping the ride? I'm not 100 percent sure how well, that the, works. Uh, I I think um, any other stable Daryl rides their horses. Uh, but I think there's an arrangement or an acceptance that if Paul wants to ride the first string in the yard and it just happens to be Swade and Maneers, then Daryl's stepping off. That'll be tough for Daryl. That'll be very tough for Daryl. Yeah. Um, there you go. If that's the arrangement, that's the arrangement. Well, that's, that's, what I, that's what I believe. TC, those top two in the in the Arkle market, John Bon and uh, El Fabiolo, who would, you, who would you have as a preference? Um, as the betting suggests, very little between them. Um, okay. but I like I said, Kevin said, all the four nines are there. I think they're the two standout horses. I don't think there's much juice in their prices. Um, for all that, they're probably the correct odds uh, at the moment. It's it, obviously the most people's take out, other than El Fabiolo, put in a, a monster performance. Obviously, Bambridge is, and obviously, the, all the market reaction um, was about Bambridge going up for the you know, two mile four for the Turners. Would that be the plan now, Kev, for Banbridge, or are you going to stick to two miles? I haven't talked to anyone now, but look, we, we all saw the race. We all saw the way he shaped. Um, he has the entry, you know, you'd be, 
I'd imagine if you were betting on it now, you could probably make the turn as the fav. But like I say, I haven't talked to anyone, but everyone saw the race. I don't think there's any other way to read it, is there? No, well, I suppose. And then, but then everyone saw Mighty Potter win like that and thinking, you know, I wouldn't fancy taking anyone at two mile four either. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Well, Bambridge for the Turners is now nine to two from ten to one, having run that absolute stormer, as you say, in the Irish Arkle TC. And Mighty Potter is six to four from three to one, having won the Labrooks Novices Chase over that trip and beating all the Mullins lot. We will get to Mighty Potter in due course. Mm. But um, let's focus in on the triumph hurdle. Lossy Mouth, obviously beaten Ooh. by Galamasso um, in controversial circumstances. Who wants to take this one first? Yes, please. Okay, all right, over <laughs> to you then. Look, is now 15 to 8 from 11 to 8 for the Triumph Hurdle off the back of this. Galamasso, 4 to 1 from 10s. Obviously, look, take it away, Kev. She was mullered in the run. And then the comments afterwards, very unwilly Mullins-like, worried that she'd had a hard race, sort of criticising Paul Townend. Um, there was a couple of moments like that over the Dublin Racing Festival mm. which surprised me from Team Mullins. Again, maybe more on that later. But in terms of this race, Lordy Lord, what were your big takeouts? Um, sure, look, good thing beaten. Um, I think it's the only way you could put it. Um, just really unfortunate. Like they obviously, and we've seen it happen before with, with the Mullins team. Like I said, they had, they had a plan there. Um, it looked like she was following the right one, following one of the same colours stable mate and I said kind of sarcastically to, to the lads I was standing beside there over in Sandown that I wonder will a gap appear in the home turn <laughs> and, then, and then all of a sudden obviously the, the mate makes uh, the the George Fatete um, makes I don't know was it was the mistake but just all of a sudden like stopped very quickly and lost him out of nowhere to go and um and was spat out the back and then had to come you know the old M&M route around the outside around the outside and um you know just just got messed with a few times and a really tough run and it was to her credit that she ran so well um I thought Willie was a bit unfair um it would the benefit of hindsight you can say things like this but who is to say Gallimar so wasn't going to make a mistake at the last or wasn't going to falter up the run in you know, it's a horse race. It's a grade one. He, he's got to give her a couple behind the saddle. And the um, and, and do his shot. best. Like, you got to do yeah, it. You know, we ridiculous. talked about beforehand the, the importance yeah, yeah. that when Willie has so many runners, the importance of them all being seen to do their best and comments like that. I, I Look, emotions are high. Um, he was speaking freely, speaking what was on his mind at the time. I'm not going to knock him. I think it was a little bit unreasonable myself, but it's easy for me in the, in the, the cold light of day without the same emotions running through me to say that. Um, and look, she, she wasn't a lucky loser. Look, she's not a gifted jumper. She hasn't looked at a gifted jumper at any stage. Um, she's riddled with talent. Um, you'd love to see her slick up a bit. Like, if they ever send her over a fence, I'd say she'd be a super jumper of a fence. I don't know if that's going to be ever be on the agenda, but she jumps a bit that way. Um, she can be a little bit airy, and, and she doesn't give him, a, you know, her full respect at times. Um, but look, she's, she's, she was the best horse in this race. And, you know, I think that the market for the triumph would reflect that, um, how a rematch would be expected to go. Um, but look, Gallimar so did her thing. She had a beautiful, um, she had a beautiful spin around and ultimately won very well, but um, hard not to focus on the second. Um, and the third, I thought, ran a lovely race uh, to KO. Um, another M&M ride, um, ultimately, you know, beaten 12 lengths. Um, and the mark for the, the Boodles will be interesting, I suspect. TC, in terms of the 
two fillies that we're talking about, Lossy Mouth and Gala Masso, um, and their prices right now. Are you surprised? Are you surprised by how the triumph market is looking in regards to those two at the top or not? Would you have it? Do you think the prices are fair? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, okay. obviously everyone's focusing on Lossy Mouth, but if you go and watch the end of the race, I mean, Gala Masso was. You know, she, she wasn't losing anything going to the line, was she? Um, you know, I think, I wouldn't say it's a dominant win, but it was quite a, quite a clear-cut win. And, you know, everyone's making excuses for Lossie Mouth. And it's interesting, the fallout of that. I spoke to Rich Ritchie at length about it yesterday. And obviously, Willie, the day before, had, you know, publicly criticised the jockey and the tactics, etc. I think it might have something to do with the fact that he really wanted to get a grade one win on the board for, for, for Ritchie because... I was quite surprised to find out he hasn't had a grade one winner this season. And considering the amount of horses he's got there and the firepower he's got, maybe um, no Willie wanted to get one on the board for him in that respect. But yeah, obviously they were, the Mullins camp were pretty filthy and, and the owners were as well. I mean, he was, he was there was an understated anger in 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 an interview I saw him with uh, Rich Ritchie with Lydia on, on Racing TV. So yeah, they were, they were pretty put out by that. But um, you know, they, yeah, they, his, they, last, his last grade one winner was Volban at Punchestown. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, right. I consider, like, I mean, I don't know if he's got maybe 40-odd horses there. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that might have been a factor of play. He wanted to get one on the board for the owner, and obviously it was unsatisfactory. But the, at the end of the day, they've still got the Triumph Hurdle favourite, and, and probably rightly so. OK, let's move on to the Supreme. Maybe this had the biggest market shake-up for uh, Cheltenham. Oof. Than any than any division, big market changes here because of the facile flop. Ila Tom's winning and is now eight to uh, now four to one. Is that right? Mm. Four yep. to one. Sorry for the supreme uh, from thirty threes. Marine National is your five to two favourite. Facile Vega out to fives after being a very short price favourite, courtesy of his disappointment over the two miles. And again, um, you know, surprisingly and quite unlike Willie Mullins making. Um, you're criticising the ride that Fasal Vega got. Uh, what was the quote? Ridden like a machine, not a racehorse. And sort of went to town with high definition and paid the price for it. Meanwhile, Ile Toms wins under what he described was a cute ride from Danny Mullins, sort of picked up the paces. Uh, sorry, picked up the pieces after mm. the two up front set what Willie Mullins described as a, as a ridiculous pace, essentially. So loads of takeaways here. Um, mm. Kev, like, oh, I, I mean, are we abandoning Fasal Vega over two miles off the back of that now? Is everyone expecting uh, him to step up and trip? That seemed to be the talk afterwards, but... Uh, yeah, God, I don't know. Yeah, look, terribly disappointing. Um, I haven't had the time to go back and have a have a, a deeper look at the sectionals, but you look, you look at the overall times and it, it would catch your eye that... Um, that it was a five second faster race than the than the you know the same course distance handicap that followed big field handicap. Um, it'd be interesting to see those those times up until you know the halfway and what have you how they compared. Um, because I didn't think watching it that they were going bananas, but um, I suppose there has to be a possibility they were. Um, but look, God, he was disappointed. He was disappointed. He checked out very quick. And there would want to be an awful lot of mitigation in, in, in those sectional times to explain it. Like to me, watching it, my first impression was that that's probably a horse that's going to come back with a bad scope or, or something Dead. wrong yeah. with him because he um, because he stopped so quick. So um, I'll, I'll chalk it down to further investigation. Woody seemed quite happy to forgive based on the ride. Um, 
But yeah, disappointing. Really disappointed with high definition. Um, the way that panned out. He um, seemed was, to he seemed to sort of go to pieces really, even before JJ obviously at the fall or the unseat, which JJ had well, the I well, look, he made a, he made a bit of a mistake at the first, and then he made the mistake at the fourth. Like it, it, it wasn't a shocker of a mistake, but it was just a, a little bit like um, uh, the one we mentioned there, the El Fabiolo. It just led to high definition moving a lot under him, and um, and another day he might have stayed put, and he'll be probably be annoyed about it. But um, it's disappointing because he just wanted to see what the horse could do, um, etc. So look, he'll have another day probably down at a at a lower level now. It'll be I don't know. I'm sure the lads will have a chat about it. It'll be. It'd be a big call to send them to Cheltenham off that, but I'm sure you have to consider the possibility. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see where it goes. Just disappointing we didn't get to see it. Um, Elete Toms did did his thing. Um, God, would I, would I be backing him at that sort of price for the Supreme? I don't think so. Um, like, geez, Fasal Vega had him well put away the time before. You know, we've seen a bit of him, a bit of him over hurdles. Has he ever looked a Supreme winner? Uh, to me, probably not. Um, maybe I'm being tough on him, but. Um, everything has a price now, and I thought that the 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 extent to which he was cut in, um, was was a bit um was a bit overexcited, but um, that's just my view. Yeah, um, I suppose focusing in on the top of the market, TC, are you would you have been a surprise man if I'd said to you a few weeks ago that Marine Nationale would be the market leader going into the Supreme? Yeah, you'd probably just assume that something happened to Faso Vega and, and, and uh, you know <laughs> out of the out of the race, but. No, I mean, like you can't put that that down to the ride, can you? I mean, something like something must come to light there. I mean, the immediate impression is he might have bled or, or something like that. But um, but yeah, it's I, you can't be going anywhere near him, even at the revised price on the on the back of that performance. You think he's going to have to go straight there? And no, you can't see it. I mean, obviously, people will look at how the way the forms panned out. The horse he won last time won that really well uh, in the top, Tom, but. You know, maybe we're underestimating, but like Kev, the four to one is 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 far too far too short. But that, and again, it was cut from thirty three to eight immediately after the race. And when you see the renewed money after the market is reformed, uh, that's 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 normally quite telling. Um, but yeah, I mean, it could well be that the Irish horses aren't anywhere as near as good as we thought. I mean, Marine National is favourite. I mean, when you go back and have a look at that Royal Bond, you know, form that hasn't massively, you know. You know, the Irish point hasn't really franked the form there. Isn't it? That was, you know, that was disappointing as well. Um, no, it, it could well be that, you know, this this is a race that the English English might win. We've got Rare Edition, who I'm quite keen on. That's that's going to be running in the Sydney Banks at Huntington on Thursday. Um, and I just hope, you know, they, do, they they stick to the two mile route and not go not go up to the Ballymore. But yeah, it could well be that the Irish kind of like novice herders are on not what, what they were building up to be. Maybe maybe we saw the best one in the very next race. Mm. Uh, with, with our Gaelic warrior. Mm. Um, oh, God. I thought that was quite impressive. Your, yeah, go t- take it away, Gaelic warrior. Yeah, yeah for, sh- for sure. Like, like they've campaigned them. Like they've. Ca- <laughs> I would have said they've campaigned them poorly if they were trying to end up with, with, a, with a big handicap hurdle win because they, they sacrificed a, a good chunk of his mark for, for very little reward. But, um, you know, Willie clearly knew that he, <laughs> that he had an awful, an awful lot in hand and didn't need to be fussing about uh, eight, nine pounds here and there. 
yeah. because he he'd gone up nine pounds for winning an egg and spoon race at Clamel seemingly unnecessarily. And um, you know, he's been backed in backed as if defeat was out of the question here into odds on in you know, you know, the race that used to be called the Pierce Hurdle. Like, geez, the thought of any horse would ever go off odds on for a Pierce Hurdle. You know, it's just bananas, one of the most competitive handicap hurdles of the season, always. And um, and and he bolted up. Like he did, they were quite savvy with how they rode him early. They made sure he had a horse on his inside to try and curb that, you know, clear tendency he has to jump to his right. And it only really came to prominence when he was in front and, and had the race pretty much wrapped up and he's dived out to his right at the last, but then picked up and won again anyway. Um, like woefully talented horse. Um, to me, he looks a supreme, he could do either, but he looks a supreme horse to me. Um, and look, they'll have to be very careful with how they ride him there if he goes there in terms of trying to get something on his outside. Maybe a stable mate might be there to help him out as we saw yesterday. But uh, yeah, very talented horse. May well go down as one of the all-time good things beaten in last year's Boodles yeah. off a mark of 129. Um, oh my God, if you if you were one of those that got involved in that punt, you must be looking back and going, how in the name of the sweet baby Jesus didn't I collect there? Yeah. Um, but but there you go. That's, that's horse racing, lads. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of disappointed people on the racetrack that day at Cheltenham. Um, let's move on. And I mean, we've touched upon it all already, but Mighty Potter in the Turner's market. Mighty Potter now six to four from three to one, having won the Labrooks Novices Chase over the two miles five at Leopardstown this weekend, uh, beating Gaylord de Manil in third and the touched upon Bam Bridge already in second, running a stormer, having been very much rushed off his feet in the Irish Arkle. Let's focus in on Mighty Potter, Kev. I know you've been a big fan for a long time. This wasn't a 10 out of 10 performance for me but it was a performance of real class. Yeah, like I... I like when I say that, sorry, I mean his jumping, I think, could have been no, better I'm with in you. places. No, I, yeah. I would have said sorry, much yeah. the same thing. I would have said much the same thing. Um, because, look, he's running, he's showing a very high level of form the last twice without kind of doing everything right. And again yeah. here, um, like he, he's not picture perfect at all. He has a mistake in him. Um, like really, really and truly, like I think you find it a lot easier at two miles. Um, like again, there just wasn't enough pace to carry him into the race properly here. Um, like I think they'd love to sit him back in in third or fourth with pace in front of him. Like I think that's what they'd love to happen. But at this trip, he like he's such a good horse and his his cruising speed is quite high. I think that it's just difficult for them to achieve that. And he's kind of ended up in front probably earlier than ideal again, but. He's very strong up the run in. He's beating horses with, with you know, in Gare de Menil, a grade one winner and adamantly chosen, you know, with other grade one form in the book. And um, yeah, I can see why he's he's considered the one for the Turners. Um, I, I wouldn't be, and people, I'm sure, you know, when the Cheltenham preview circuit starts um, rumbling into into motion, there'll be plenty of people pointing to his run at Cheltenham last season and saying, oh, maybe he doesn't like the place, but I wouldn't have that myself. I think. Uh, uh, I fancied him on the day and I was watching him very closely and if you if you watch it like I don't think they're happy from the, from the get-go Jack Kennedy he was hanging and he didn't look right at all from an early stage so I don't think that was anything to do with the track I just think he wasn't right Kev and, I can um, tell you sorry I can tell you what will happen with the Cheltenham Festival preview circuit and Mighty Potter courtesy of Davy Russell doing a million different previews he'll give this horse the big one he'll bang on about it being <laughs> the one that he's come back for he'll get all, he'll get people overexcited There'll be a push towards this horse come Cheltenham, and I can see him being like very, very, very popular. 
very popular yeah. off the back of those. Yeah, you could well be right. And look, I, I love I love the horse. I love the horse. I don't think we've seen the very, very best of him. And like like what put me onto the horse originally was like before he ever ran in the over hurdles, I think Gordon Elliott was I was talking to Gordon about him for a stable tour and occasionally with Gordon you just get this tone of voice from him like uh, that you can tell he really likes one uh, and that was that was this horse that year um like he's always absolutely loved him and look he's been he's been vindicated he's won like that's fourth grade one now um and I, I still don't think we've seen we've seen everything go right for him over fences so you know if it does all go right in the turners geez it would take a, a right one to beat him I'd say TC, are you with us on the Mighty Potter bandwagon? Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't back him at his current price, but again, backing horses that short, you know, we still yeah. got five weeks to get there. Yeah, you know, I'd rather back him up, you know, a half a point bigger on the day rather than a, a, a his current price. But yeah, I mean, echo everything of what you both said. Um, it's very hard to knock him. Any takeaways from in behind in terms of like Gaylord de Manil, for example? Would you? <laughs> It's interesting though they, you know, obviously it's been a long range favourite for the National Hunt Chase. So uh, they think he's obviously got a fair bit of speed, and obviously he did run really well. And he actually traded twos on him running when when he was beaten by um, Marty Potter in the Drinmore. So be interesting to see where they go with that now. And also with City Chief winning um, um, over here over at the weekends, Willie Mullins is going to have to have to play it quite cute because Joe Donnelly's now got. Three decent horses who possibly could all run in the National Hunt Chase. You've got Gayle <laughs> de Benil, Remy Lees, and City Chief. So, oh, yeah. Where, yeah. whether or not they're going to have to, you know, one's going to, one might go Turners, one might go Browning. Oh. You know, they, they all might. It, we're not only we're talking about trainers now. We're talking about owners. Uh, Joe Donnelly's <laughs> going to want three different horses in three different races, isn't he? That's <laughs> very has, interesting. Has, I hadn't even has, thought about that. And the hashtag to use, ladies and gentlemen, is hashtag pray for Patrick because he'll be the one that's getting more worked up about that than anyone because he'll be he'll be bullying to ride Gail de Mesnil in the in the in the national chase. I'd imagine. I, I, the, the, the national the, the the natural place for me, Gail de Mesnil, is the free miler because you got two. Yeah, miles. it is. <laughs> you got sorry, miles, sorry, Patrick. Miles, you got two miles full form. Very very good, mighty Potter. We know it's a you know the Irish national third as well over three miles, but you know the natural home for him is surely three miles. And like I say, I have been nibbling away um, on the exchange only for small money for the three mile and hoping they go there. But like I say, Joe Donnelly's you know he'll he'll be keen for them to shuffle to the pack, so he's got a runner in all three different races. Well, in terms of City Chief, he's now ten to one from twenty fives, um, having won the Towton Novices Chase at Weatherby. Obviously, as you say, for the Henderson Bowen team. And Bally Griffin Cottage bled, disappointed. So we're right aligned through that. But um, you were obviously quite taken with that performance then from City Chief TC. Yeah, like I said, it's, you know, it's very hard to knock me. People say it's a small field and whatever. But obviously, but the, the thing about it is now is, as I've just said, it's a two to one shot. You know, trying to trying to get what race he's going to be aimed at now, isn't it? So okay. probably not a horse that, you know, you can back without the normal or no bet angle. Uh, but yeah, it's like I say, it was a very, very good performance. You know, the, the, obviously the favourite disappointing will take the shine on it for many. But yeah, he's a very, very good uh, contender for whatever race he goes for. 
Okay, we we are now moving on to the English action, obviously touching on Weatherby there. And Kev, you were on ITV both days, were you? I think Saturday and Sunday. Um, so we will flip over to Jerry Kalom, obviously winning the Silly Isles down at Sandown, needing every yard of it, remains unbeaten, um, and is now four to one for the Brown Advisory from Elevens. I must say. The focus on the English action this weekend has been limited from me. So, Kev, I've only watched that race once. On on reflection, what are your takeaways for Jerry Colon? I thought he was good. Um, I'd say the ground wasn't as soft as they were hoping for. That's why they went over there. It was kind of riding dead. Maybe a small bit softer than the official description, um, according to, to a fair few jocks. But I'd say this horse couldn't get it soft enough, really. And to me, he looked in trouble there turning in. Um, and it was only really the afterburners of his stamina kicking in late on that um, they got the job done for him. Um, great for Jordan Gainford. Um, you know, he's obviously, he's had to bite his tongue, I suppose, a little bit with the way things have panned out um, around Jack Kennedy's injury, but um, he, he he made no mistake here. Um, Balco Coastal is, is a nice horse, I think. Jumped out to his left, didn't help himself. Um, Thunder Rock, if he ever gets a little bit more fluent, he'll be a fair weapon. Um, but Jerry Colom did his thing. I'd say, I'd say to me, he got away with it with the trip. You know, he'll want to go at least three miles. Um, I listened to connections afterwards. I don't know if he'd be certain to go to Cheltenham for anything. Um, you know, the, he could end up in an Irish Grand National or something like that, you know, but by the talks of him. So I'd say hold all um, anti post wagers there. But um, he's, he's, he's up there amongst the better staying novices. I'd say there's no question. Um, two grade ones in the bag now. Um, they're stronger form, probably knocking around. But this fella hasn't got a chance to express himself over three miles yet. And I'd say he'll have more to give them. OK, before we move away from the weekend, does anyone want to raise their hand to throw in any other horse to mention any other price changes that you think is relevant or that the listeners and viewers should know about at this stage in regards to the Cheltenham Festival and beyond. Oh, we've got a raised hand. Yes, Kevin. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, well done to Topville Ben and his connections for coming over, having a oh. crack. He ran, he ran an absolute belter and fair play to them. Do you know, I thought he was going to, you know, at one stage I thought, oh no, he's just going to fade back into the field and be beaten 18 lengths. The way he battled on and stayed on, mm. I agree, Kev, fair play. Do you know what yeah, that, wh- whisper, whisper softly, lads, if, uh, if if these British trainers grow, grow us, uh, you know, get a, get, a, get a dose of testicular fortitude, I think their handicap chasers are actually quite well in in Ireland. Um, yeah. if they if they bothered to run them. but uh, So fair play to Phil Kirby. They went home with a great check and I hope they had a great day as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a real. I really wanted there to be a UK winner, a British winner at the festival, just purely because I'm so keen for the tide to turn in terms of the British runners not wanting to come over. And I know it's an uphill battle. I can see the case for staying at home, et cetera, et cetera. But it would just add so much more spice to that meeting. And it's already the Dublin Racing Festival, such a good meeting. But a few more English runners and then for we've all been caught to be falling out the back of the TV screen. It's just like, oh, no, yeah. like we can't even. Do you know what I mean? Like you just wanted something. And Topville Ben, even in a handicap, it was like, yes, this can just, you know, give people a little bit of hope. TC, do you have anything more to add before we Wait, move we, on to the news round? We're talking about we've all been caught. I mean, we should mention Goodland, shouldn't we? Um, oh, he, well, sorry, yeah. I, I thought he I thought he was very impressive. It's, it's one of the ones we, we when we did the foot sets and festival, it's one of the ones, he was 25 to 1 when we, we, we flagged up his chance for the Ballymore 
a few weeks back. And yeah, nothing he did there was going to, uh, you know, that sounds like they're going to go Ballymore. They're not going to go three miles. So yeah, I thought I thought that was quite a taking performance. Again, I'm not sure about the overall strength of the form, but yeah, he looks a uh, he looks a bit of a weapon. And obviously, uh, the trainer uh, has got um, at least two good ones to go to war with at Cheltenham, and probably yeah. one for a for a handicap hurdle maybe. Yeah. Absolutely right. That was a review of the Dublin Racing Festival. I think we can all say that that has been fun, fun, fun. See yeah, no, it was, it was fantastic. <laughs> great, it's great to see them get the crowd um, because that was something that was kind of annoying me for, for the last few years, to be honest, that they have this, they put on this great show. They have a million people on their doorstep and, and they couldn't pack it out. Um, so I wasn't expecting quite that uptick. So it was fantastic. 40% up, 27% of tickets from the UK. That, 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 that says a lot about our current uh, national hunt landscape. Great to see it. By the sounds of it, there, there were some operational issues there with, with some queues for, for drinks and toilets, etc. cetera. But um, it, I think it was an unmitigated disaster last year. And I think the, you know, the, the people that were being reasonable said it was a big, big step forward this year. So hopefully it'll be better again next year. And hopefully they can kind of repeat the dose and try and attract a similar British audience to the likes of the Irish champion stakes to Leopardstown which is, um, you know, a world-class race. And they should be they should be trying to pull that audience as best they can too. So so well done to the team there and yeah. uh, bigger and better to come. But to yeah. get that crowd on Saturday when um, Wales were playing Ireland in the rugby as well. Um, yeah. But obviously that's good. Although I said it was pretty overly busy on the Saturday. But uh, Sunday was, a, I know the crowd was only down 1,300, but it seems like they were, they were budgeting, you know, for, for a lot more than they got. And as a result, we, very minimal queues and it was a much better customer experience on Sunday but it wasn't that bad on, on Saturday it wasn't ideal by any means but no Sunday was a was a great day yeah as I stand and watch the races in a very certain point in the stands at Leperstown and I stand there with people who go racing you know Leperstown all the meetings etc etc and everyone said like they've never seen a crowd like it they've never seen a crowd on the grass you know on that strip by the mm. rail um, and it was just you know like you could see more people than you could ground and that's down at like an unfashionable area if you get what I mean when you look I, at um, the track I went, I, went, I went out in the ring a few times and uh, folks some of the bookmakers there it, and, I, and I said to them it reminded me when I used to go uh, at big meetings with my old man in the 80s and 90s it had a real kind of like vibrant buzz uh, it had Love a punter it. feel about it there were massive cues for the books it felt felt like England in its heyday in eighties and nineties, and you know, from from that point of view as well, not just a customer experience, from from a betting point of view as well, it it had it all. I, I must admit, you know, it, whenever I go racing, I don't really enjoy it that much because you miss out on so much when you're actually at racing and when you're doing the review. You know, for a couple of hours this morning, I'm going back and all the results and all oh, that ran well, that didn't run as well as today. You do miss out on a lot, but for an overall experience, yeah, I'd fully recommend going there. Love it. Right. Let's move on to a few little news topics to wrap up the show. Um, of course, we're a little bit late to the party because this news came out early last week, but we'd already recorded weighed in. But we got the news through that trainer Ronan McNally has been hit with a 12 year disqualification from Irish racing. He's got 50,000 euros in cost to pay, 13 grand in prize money to give back and all for essentially multiple integrity breaches. Um, a lot of people surprised by the 12 years, I think it's fair to say. 
what were you, yeah. were you what was your reaction when the news came through kev this is a case that you i know have done a bit of a deep dive into you know plenty about did you think 12 years was fair uh, look i think the way they fr- they framed it and the way they laid it out when they when they gave their verdicts pre-sentence you you, you knew there was a big one coming but to me, to me in my mind i was thinking kind of four or five years would be would be heavy um and they gave him 12 and 50 grand fine um you know, it clearly did very, very wrong. And you can't have that sort of carry on um, to, as blatant as that. Um, but yeah, geez, 12 years when you lay it up against the various cases we've had in Ireland over the years, like the, the longest I could find for a disqualification um, was with regard to the Yashvili case about, you know, 10 or 12 years ago, there was an owner got got done for 10 years there and another for eight years. You know, the, the heaviest disqualification I could find for a trainer was Philip Fenton for three years, possession of anabolic steroids. Um, yeah. Stephen Mahan got a four-year suspension. Very important to, to know the difference between the two. A suspension, you can still work in racing, you can still um, be involved in racing, whereas a disqualification, that's that's what they mean when they say you're warned off. You're gone. You cannot work in racing. People you can't that even are licensed on a licensed premises or anything. No, you you you, 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 you you can't associate with licensed people. Yeah. Um, and so he he's gone from the game. And uh, look again, you don't want to sound like you've sim- you're too much sympathy for him. He's done wrong, but you can reflect on the punishment. And like in his person, in his personal situation, you know, he's got a young lad that hopes to be a jockey. You know, he's not going to be able to go onto the race course to to see him ride as a civilian. You know, is is that is that over the top? Is that too much for what happened? It would seem to me, um, compared to everything else, you know, yes, but maybe that's a maybe that's um, a consequence of other punishments for other particularly bad cases being too lenient compared to this, rather than this one being um, so much harsher than it seems. But um, look, he's going to appeal. I, sus- I think the deadline for appeal is tomorrow. He's declared his intention to appeal. You know, probably irresponsible to speculate, but if you were pricing it up, I'd say there's a fair chance he's going to, it'll get reduced to some extent. But look, we'll see how it pans out. Um, it, but it was a really eye-catching punishment. Um, and if it sets a stall for a new standard of punishments going forward, so be it. Um, but if we're looking back on this in five years, would it still look like an outlier? I'd say that it's probably odds on that it will. Yeah. You were nodding away in agreement there, TC. Do you have some strong views on this? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, obviously his case is, is quite extreme, but 12 years is is just, just plain wrong, isn't it? I think everyone can really see that because, you know, obviously running horses in other people's names, etc., is it, it puts a, a really bad shine to it. But we've all heard story about, you know, horse boxes rolling up at certain trainers, taken away and delivered back for the festivals and whatever. So it does go on. Um, but, yeah, I mean, 12 years just looks wrong. And also the betting element as, betting element as well. I mean, they've thrown the book at him here and then, and then, the, and then the whole bloody library straight afterwards. It's kind of like... I mean, on the day this was announced, the irony is alive here. I mean, on the day it was announced, Gavin Cromwell had um, a horse with no previous form getting smashed in a handicap hurdle and, and winning uh, over here. Gary Moore had a very horse with a very similar profile doing that. If they are, if they have set the benchmark about how they're going to treat people, then a lot of trainers are going to have to change their MO. I mean, there was a very good, I can't remember who actually put it out there, 
Um, there were some really good stats about Gavin Cromwell about his horses when they when oh, Paul, Paul Fitzgerald on yeah. Twitter, yeah. When their horses are over 40 to one, you know, their strike rate, and when they're all backed in uh, with a horses that you know, with, with a, a profile of a horse that won last Tuesday, their strike rate is just phenomenally good. So, if if this is an indicator about how they're going to deal with uh, with similar type gambles, unexposed horses, massive improvement, etc then they're going to be very, very busy. Um, and if the BHA follows suit over here, a lot of people will applaud that. But like I said, wouldn't, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd love to say it's opened up a can of worms. But like I said, if they enforce what they've done in this case across the board, then they're going to be very busy and some trainers are going to be looking over their shoulder. Yeah, I'm not totally against it because look, what they've done here is they've gone like the, the real precedent they set was going back and retrospectively looking at the runs leading up to massive improvement being shown and essentially doing them for non-trying um, on days where the stewards didn't even have a peak, you know, and, mm-hmm. and then disqualifying like that's it's extremely heavy handed. But like I can recall, they did something similar in England one time with a horse called Celtic Sun that went on. Yeah, a, and it went, went, yeah he went on a big um, a rampage in handicaps and they went back and looked at his qualifying runs um, retrospectively. Um, and arguably, like when horses do show giant chunks of improvement, they probably should go back and look as a matter of course. Um, because we, we talk about it all the time. The stewards on the day, I'm afraid, don't do a particularly thorough job. Um, you know, we talk about it all the time and, you know, the most damning evidence of, you know, conce- of concealing form is subsequent massive improvement. So, like, I'm not totally against it, but really, like anything in life, you have to be consistent if you're, go- if you're going to play that way. Well, I think they do it in greyhound yeah. racing. If, if greyhounds show massive chunks of improvement, they, uh, they wield a very heavy hand, I believe. Not, not my game, but I can see the logic in doing so. Um, because- in greyhounds, they'll take away their trainer's license from the track. A lot of these are a bookmaker owned tracks in greyhounds if a train if trainers dogs have a certain amount of improvement and it's not a it's not a big it's not a big bar they will literally take their license away and say no sorry you're not welcome to train uh, greyhounds at our track that's an extreme last question on this to you kev just then a quick answer because we've got to wrap up the show shortly do you in your heart of hearts you referenced earlier that you think that you'll look back in five years time and see this case as an outlier so on that comment do you think that they have set a precedent here and this is the route they're going to go down as TC's touched upon, potentially opening a can of worms? Or do you think that, as you said earlier, this will be an outlier? Which, which, would, you, um, which would you back now? Look, look, I, look, I've been racing 20 years and I know the way the Turf Club and the IHRB have generally worked and they will very occasionally make a big show like this and hope that it acts as a deterrent. Um, okay. Because you don't necessarily get the same follow up with the same rigor in comparable cases going forward. It tends to be a big show, hope that, um, that that gets people to cop on for a while, but then things soon go back to the way they have been. So I'd okay. be I'd be skeptical about that. Just uh, just very right, quickly, some we all know some training and owner operations they are pretty much untouchable. So it would stick in the core for a lot of people. Uh, that, that severity of that uh, that that twelve year ban. Okay. Um, TC, last word to you because we need to talk about Newbury. Um, yeah. Obviously, coming up this weekend, big weekend of racing, Super Saturday at Newbury, including Betfair Hurdle. Plenty to look forward to next weekend. But 
uh, is a potential issue with ground on the horizon. Obviously, not much rain in the air, and apparently they're unable to water. I must say, I'm not really across this story. You're our local it's, weatherman, so please take it away. Yeah, I, like I say, I, I pretty much it it, uh, it broke on Friday when when I was traveling, so I'm not massively on top of it. But it sounds like. There could be some frost uh, this week, so they're going to put covers down. And if the cover's down, they can't water. But uh, in, in addition, uh, I think they can't uh, irrigate at this time of year uh, at that particular track. So um, there's a whole lot of factors, uh, you know, thrown into the mix here. And it seems like they put out a warning that it could be raising on firm ground. Now, obviously, that might affect field sizes, etc. And hopefully it won't be that bad. But, you know, soft ground horses need not apply for the better for hurdle. Okay. On that note, we are wrapping up the show, boys. Thank you very much as always. Listeners and viewers, thank you for tuning in. We love having you with us and I hope you enjoyed the Dublin Racing Festival. Uh, do subscribe to our YouTube channel, please, and do leave a comment. We read them. Well, I actually don't because I get nervous, but I think the boys do. So do leave a comment if you fancy it. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday, of course, with Racing Only Better, previewing that big Super Saturday at Newbury. But for now, thanks as always. Enjoy the week. That was Waden. <laughs>